Hey, you guys, you guys look good. It's because you get plants. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Chef AJ Live. I'm your host, Chef AJ, and this is where I introduce you to amazing people like you who are doing great things in the world that I think you should know about. I am meeting today's guests for the first time. I actually found out about them from a film I had seen that was done by a previous guest, Dr. Sarai Stanek, called Code Blue. Their names are Dr. Jennifer Trilk. Hayne Jackson and Chef Scott Wark. Please welcome them to the show. I'm so excited to meet you and find out all the wonderful work that you're doing. AJ, thank you so much for having us on the show. And we really appreciate everything that you're doing to bring awareness to the community and to the states on the importance of healthy living, which is exactly what we try to do at the University of South Carolina School of Medicine, Greenville. Uh, I am Dr. Jennifer Trilk. I am one of the founding faculties of USC School of Medicine Greenville to where we incorporate uh, 80 hours of lifestyle medicine training, which I'll show you in a video uh, briefly. And I've brought with me, and thank you so much, uh, a medical student of mine, Hayne Jackson, and a partner of which I could not do much anything without, Chef Scott. So uh, Hayne, would you introduce yourself, please? Um, sure. Hey, everyone. My name is Hayne Jackson, and I'm a second-year medical student at U of SE School of Medicine, Greenville, like Dr. Schultz said. Um, super excited to be here. I have graduated from Clemson University in 2019 with a BS in food science and human nutrition. So I was drawn to this school because of the huge focus on lifestyle medicine that we have in a large part from Dr. Trilk. And I am also the co-president of the Lifestyle Medicine Interest Group and a participant in the Culinary Medicine Elective at our school. And Chef, Chef Scott. Hi, good afternoon. I am Chef Scott. Um, I've been in food and beverage industry for better than 35 years. Um, had the wonderful opportunity to get to meet Dr. Trilk, um, gosh, how many years ago now? Three, four years ago, um, by chance here at the Culinary Institute of the Carolinas where I teach. I've been here six years as full-time faculty. Um, I've been teaching probably a total of 12 on and off some adjunct, some full-time faculty, um, which I love doing. So we, we entered into this partnership, as I said, kind of by chance. Um, I happen to be an avid uh, exercise person. I won't say biker, runner, whatever. I kind of like to exercise, period. I like to eat well so that I can exercise. And I think that's where Dr. Trilk and I sort of connected. She's an exercise uh, lover as well. And so we started talking about food and her, her plans sort of uh, fit my plans and things that we like to do at the um, culinary school here. Uh, so it was just a, an a real obvious match that we meet, needed to come together. I have the kitchens, she has the science and the medical background and hello, here we are today. Great, thank you, Chef Scott. Chef AJ, if it's all right with you, I'd like to show about a three and a half minute video to our audience just to give them an overview of what we do at the school. Is that all right? Absolutely, thank you. So I'm, I'm going to try to uh, be technologically savvy here and get this rolling. All right, let me know if you can see that. All right, we'll go ahead and begin. Learning to become doctors is a challenging journey, but there's so much more to the experience here than we ever could have imagined. At the University of South Carolina School of Medicine Greenville, we learn to dig into patient health on a deeper level. We learn to see the community through our patients' eyes. The Lifestyle Medicine Distinction Tract is an opportunity for students to focus on healthy behaviors, healthy lifestyle behaviors from their first year of medical school all the way through their fourth year of medical school. I mean, it really gives them the tools to treat and prevent chronic medical illnesses. My name is Jennifer Trilk, and I'm an associate professor here at the medical school. I've been here since 2012, so I'm one of the founding faculty. I teach lifestyle medicine. Lifestyle medicine is six pillars. It's nutrition, physical activity and exercise, sleep hygiene, social connectivity and relationships, stress resiliency, so management of stress, as well as avoidance of risky substance use. And we have 80 hours of lifestyle medicine as a requirement across all four years of the medical school curriculum. The best thing we can do for our patients to make sure that uh, they can get healthier themselves is to show that we care about them and to spend time with them for them to feel a connection to us. Patients themselves ask all of the time, what do we buy at the grocery store? 
you know, how can I cook? How can I prepare meals on a, on a low income? And that's where American cuisine has to go. American, Americans um, don't, don't have to skip all the French fries and all the, the fun desserts. We need to modify my ultimate goal is to get off of all my meds that they put me on and have it all monitored by food. We have had culinary medicine in our medical school for three years. And the students who are involved in culinary medicine typically work with our Culinary Institute of Carolinas at Greenville Tech at the Greenville Tech campus to be in their teaching kitchen. With the COVID-19 environment, we've had to completely shift that into a complete online, virtual, real-time teaching to where we now have 16 medical students. We have a senior trained chef and a physiologist myself in the kitchen, but it's virtual. So when the students are learning, they're actually learning from their own home and they're cooking from their own kitchen. Being a student here at, at U of SC School of Medicine Greenville, you learn very quickly that medicine's more than just biochemical pathways uh, or antibiotics, but it's about showing compassion for every patient every time. Our program has received a lot of recognition recently, including the President's Council on Sports, Fitness and Nutrition Community Leadership Award, the COVID-19 Adaptability Award from the American College of Lifestyle Medicine, and our first international award for curriculum, the Aspire to Excellence Award from the International Association for Medical Education. Our experiences here are just the beginning of our medical education. We'll keep listening, keep asking questions, keep learning to solve big problems, to make our patients healthier, to make our community stronger, because that's what doctors do. Oh, I, are you muted? Yeah, I there think so. I, I didn't want, uh, that, that is amazing. Why isn't this every medical school? Oh, I would love for that to happen, definitely. And um, we are hoping through a number of things that we do with the Lifestyle Medicine Education Collaborative, um, and with, with the partnership with American College of Lifestyle Medicine that we can get it out. So I am one of the um, co-directors of the Undergraduate Medical Education Task Force with uh, ACLM. So we were hoping to get this uh, out you know, to undergraduate medical schools. But I have to say, honestly, without, without the partners that we've got in our community with Chef Scott Rourke, for example, and without fantastic medical students who come in understanding that this is important, you know, um, like, like Hain, you know, having a bachelor's in food, food science and, and uh, human nutrition, you know, really getting the aspect of, of using food, as you know, Chef AJ, for, for prevention of chronic disease, as well as healing from chronic disease. Unbelievable. You know, I, I, my, my real job is I host these summits based on different topics like GI health or weight loss. And, and recently I have met four medical doctors who, after becoming medical doctors, actually went to culinary school because that's what they felt was most needed. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and Chef Scott and I've talked about that quite a bit in terms of what uh, the transition even in the industry has been. So, you know, Chef We've talked about you know, the gluten-free diet, the vegetarian and vegan diet, and what are you teaching your, your um, students at Culinary Institute? And then we can go a little bit more into our, our partnership that we have. I, I, you know, I, I once said something and I, I got very, I actually spoke at a medical school a long time ago, somewhere in Ohio it was the first year students and I did a culinary demo and I said something to the effect of, well, you know, most, most curriculums of medical schools are, are you know, sponsored by the pharmaceutical industry and they like, oh, and, but isn't that to some degree true? I believe that that was true to a point years ago. Um, I can say definitely for our school, that is not true. And I think that that shift, I think that that has been a shift away according to Dean Jenkins and uh, our Dean, uh, um, that that is no longer the case. However, we still are looking at um, the drivers of medical education being both the assessment of the students in their USMLE step one and step two exams to where there is not uh, assessment or, or, or um, examination around prevention of chronic disease or you know, lifestyle medicine in particular, number one. Number two, there is not currently reimbursement models for prevention of chronic disease from a CMS, Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services, 
But there are many, many folks now that are trying to shift this. And I'm sure that Dr. Stancic has discussed that. I'm sure Dr. Esselstyn has discussed that on your podcast. Uh, but but we've, got, we've got national visage now at our medical school, in addition to a number of medical schools really starting to try to turn that tide. But again, I agree, Chef AJ, you know, Chef Scott and I met two, three years ago, literally filming Code Blue. So when we met and I saw him and he's, you know, he's a triathlete, he's a chef who's a triathlete. And I went, oh my gosh, this is my man, you know, of really understanding that culinary, you know, the industry of culinary needs to shift toward culinary medicine and that we need to teach the students this. And as you saw in the video, uh, and that was our charter class, that was Connor Evans that was speaking. We now, you know, once, once the students are taught and they've learned through Chef Scott, then the students bring the patients in and we work, work with our Department of Family Medicine and Department of Internal Medicine to identify patients to bring them into the kitchen. And that's where Chef Scott's done his job well and I, I hope I've done my job well. And then we stand back and we facilitate to where the students then teach the patients. And Hayne will be in on that class uh, in her third year. That's just, I mean, if that existed years ago, it might've made it more fun for me to go to medical school because that was what was expected in my family. Everybody in my family is a doctor. You know, why do you think there's such a disconnect between you know, medicine and food for, in, in some cases, I mean, lifestyle medicine is making it more prevalent. But when I think about it, I have been volunteering in a hospital almost my entire life doing something called pet therapy. And when I see what they feed the pay, it's one thing to have junky food in the cafeteria. Cause you know, the cafeteria, it's the visitors and they're not the people that are, you know, just, just they didn't just have a cardiac arrest. But when I see what they feed the patients to me, that just makes no sense. I know, you know, and Hane, Hane, I'm actually going to uh, punt that question over to you because you being a bachelor's in food science and human nutrition, you know, it, and, and coming in as a medical student. So what is the, what's the common thought of what medical education is supposed to be about? And what have you heard even from your colleagues at other medical schools that may or may not get this type of education? Sure. So I think of the biggest sort of disconnect as far as I guess nutrition and like our patients and our education would be honestly just teaching our patients about nutrition. And I think medical school focuses so much on all the science and not enough about nutrition. Obviously our school is different in that sense that I think that can get lost. And if the physicians don't feel comfortable counseling their patients about nutrition, then the patients aren't going to feel comfortable coming to them to ask, Oh, well, what should I eat? What should I buy at the grocery store? And those are questions that we're able to answer at U of SC School of Medicine Greenville, thanks to our lifestyle medicine curriculum. Um, so I personally am very thankful for that. And Dr. Truck plays a huge role in that. So I think that probably is the biggest disconnect is just the education that doesn't include nutrition in our medical world. And that that is thankfully slowly improving. And we've made huge leaps and bounds um, at our school. And like we have mentioned with Chef Scott in the Culinary Institute, we've learned how to teach our patients how to cook. And I think that's a huge um, blessing that we're able to explain these recipes to our patients as well. It's neat. Yeah, and, and that one too, if you don't mind, um, thanks Hayne for that, that's perfect. So just to give an overview of what we do in our curriculum, and then I'll ask Chef Scott to you know, to speak to that, and I'm, I'm going to share my screen again, just for a second here. Let me know if, if you guys can see uh, the slide deck. Are you able to see that? So I will take that as a yes. Oh, yes, yeah. I'm sorry. All right, all right. So um, just to mention, you know, the reason that we started the Chef AJ, um, is we have a policy paper that we published in 2019 with American Journal of Preventive Medicine that uh, identified physician survey reports and resident survey reports that current physicians and current residents feel like they don't have the training. So they don't have the exercise nutrition knowledge or skills to treat patients with non-communicable chronic dis uh, diseases. 
there again, as I mentioned before, there's a lack of time and compensation codes. So there's a lack of codes from CMS that, you know, that allow physicians to provide preventive care. And then if you think about the normal patient physician visit, it's 15 minutes, but that physician may have, you know, eight minutes to see that patient because of the amount of patients that a physician is required to see. I remember working with my family medicine docs on the family medicine side, and Dr. Ma uh, Bobby Massacall had mentioned that he had 40 to 45 patients that day to see. You can only imagine how that is, you know, so residents who were surveyed felt as though they didn't have the knowledge and training upon graduation. They didn't really know the guidelines for treating obesity. And I found this final bullet point there, 76% felt confident in why physical fitness was a prior priority and 88% understood why physical activity had benefits, but there was less than 50% of residents that felt confident to implement exercise program into their own lives, let alone how to prescribe them for their patients. So we have a very unique curriculum in lifestyle medicine and lifestyle medicine is across all four years. It is longitudinally integrated as well as vertically integrated across the four years in every discipline and in every organ system. As you know, you know we're talking today about culinary medicine, but there's a further, there's a larger um, uh, movement uh, in the clinical discipline of lifestyle medicine, of nutrition, exercise, sleep, hygiene, tobacco, and risky substance use and relationships and stress management. You know, with the, and this is thankful to the ACLM for providing this infographic. But what's really neat about our um, particular school is that we use a classroom clinic community model using our, our, um, our medical school, our healthcare delivery system, Prisma Health, and our um, Culinary Institute of the Carolinas and Truist Culinary Hospitality Innovation Center with Greenville Tech, which is where Chef Scott is. Just a couple of pictures of us in the kitchen uh, which was our charter class. And, it, you know, we've really had so much fun, the students, and I hope, I hope I'm not speaking for Hayne, but the students really enjoy it. And an example of our curriculum, which is where I'm going to ask Chef Scott to speak, is uh, in our second year, which is where Hayne is now, in our fall and spring calendar, looking at culinary medicine, and we really align the different modules with the actual modules that the students are in at the time. So you can see, for example, August 25th, which is module 10, says cancer nutrition. And in parentheses, it says HEMONC, which means that the students are going through their second year HEMONC module while they're undergoing the cancer nutrition module in culinary medicine. So we did have to transition, you know, with COVID and Chef and I, <laughs> Um, we're, we're like, how is this even possible? Because we were so used to being in person and how can we transition to virtual culinary medicine? So I have got some pictures of chef uh, as I was taking chef on, you know, real time in, in the kitchen, doing the cooking demonstrations for the students. And then what the students were seeing at home and then we would break them out into smaller groups. So we had 16 students over the summer We'd break them into groups of four to where we all had eyes on, on each one of the students. And there's a picture of Chef looking at his small group and giving them knife skills and, and uh, uh, explanations about their cooking. And again, there's another picture of, of the students in their own kitchen. What was really neat was that I would receive text messages from the students anywhere from they thought this was awesome and they were excited for the summer and really understanding more now the importance of, of what they're, they're eating themselves. So that second, that second column of normally I get the falafel and this particular patient, now that they're in awareness of the, uh, the nutrition facts, the, the calories, the fat, the carbs, the protein, you know, they, uh, they're really finding out, you know, um, what is what they're eating and if that's healthy. And then, of course, they can translate that, you know, into their own patient care. So um, I'm going to pause there. I'm going to stop sharing before we get into walk with the doc and ask Chef Scott um, to speak more to how he teaches the students in the kitchen, as well as how we transitioned over into the virtual, which was quite a feat. And that was Again, not, not something I could have done without Chef. Well, yeah, <laughs> wow. Where do we start with that one? Um, 2020 has been a great year, hasn't it? Uh, but, 
So, you know, initially doing these classes with the medical students was um, exciting, a little bit challenging, a little scary. You know, all the medical information that Dr. Trill conveys to them before they come into the kitchen with me is a whole nother world. And I realized I, I, did, I couldn't go there and learn all that. Um, I know how to cook and I, know, I believe I know how to teach. And these guys were just sponges. They were really wide open to learning. Uh, so it was really a treat. Now their culinary skills <laughs> were anywhere from, I've never been in the kitchen before to I'm pretty comfortable. And that was Connor who you saw in some of those pictures. So we just had to develop, hey, you guys aren't here to learn how to be chefs. You're here to learn how to take care of your patients. And that, that was a hard mentality for me too. Um, not worrying about their nice skills being perfect, but that they could convey to a, a patient that this is how you need to be able to make this dish. Um, and at a point, we had to kind of uh, sort of evaluate, were these recipes going to be too hard for the patients to cook? Because if they are, uh, a patient's not going to spend three hours in the kitchen like I might do. Um, they need to be fairly quick. They need to be items that they could pre-prep and have in their refrigerator. So a lot of all this mentality went into what we were trying to do with, with our students and also with their further patients down the road. We, we got a, a amazing curriculum out of Tulane from Tulane from Dr. Tim Harlan, who we met, um, really fantastic guy. He's done just massive amounts of work and continues to evolve this whole thing. And that's where we came into when Dr. Trilk and I, I guess it was over Christmas holiday, maybe of last year, when we were starting to look at this COVID, this, and I, I have so, as I get older, not really excited about change. I won't say I drag my feet, but I think Dr. Trilk would disagree. Um, so oh, no. we're listening to this and, and I I think I was sitting in my home and I, I, I bet I blurted out multiple um, expletives that I <laughs> Sound turned off because it was just scary as heck. We are yeah, going to yeah. do this virtual cooking class, and I'm going, no, no, no. I'm a chef. I work with people in hand, with hands, with knives. So, and, and but you know, we hung up, and I, 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 th I think we both just said, and I, I talked to Dr. Trilk, and I said, Jennifer, we can make this work. We're going to make. We have to make this work, and we're going to make this work. We can do it. It's not going to be perfect. We both have to accept that this is not going to be perfect. And so that's kind of what. COVID has taught us. It's not going to be perfect, but you know what? Our students took it on. They got in their kitchens and we looked at them, watched them, talked to them. Um, and, and by gosh, they did a great job. So they've learned how to cook in their kitchen, which is probably more realistic to what they're going to teach to their patients down the road. So that's the positive out of it. The negative for me is I can't reach out through that screen like we have now um, and put my hand on their knife and say, this is how you need to do it. But you know what? Ultimately, that's not, that's not that important. It's just that they went through this recipe. And now when Mrs. Jones comes in presenting with, uh, you know, all kinds of signs of uh, diabetes or celiac disease, whatever it may be, they can then say, hey, I've, I've done some of these recipes in a culinary school um, that were really effective, uh, really easy to cook and really good for what, what disease that you have or what symptoms that you might need um, to treat. So, it's working. I can't wait until we're back in the kitchens with our students. We got a couple more months, I think, probably. But um, uh, you know, we're 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 working with our students, our normal culinary students here right now. But we're all, you know, we're we're masked up and trying to talk through that thing and uh, staying away from people. But it's working, and we're going to get through this thing. And um, God bless Jenner, Dr. Chuck for for bringing me on to this, and for the culinary students who are going to be. You know, my excitement is to see that in my in the future somewhere, they'll be treating my my kids um, when I'm long gone, and they will be more effective in the world of medicine because food is medicine. And why why is that a mystery to the medical community? I don't know. Um, I'm not smart enough to figure that out, but I am smart enough to teach uh, medical students how to how to cook at least get started in that piece. So it's been a, it's been fantastic. Um, food is medicine. And, you know, I don't know if it's the doctors aren't smart enough to know. It's just, I think in some cases they don't want to know because, you know, doing a procedure that costs $100,000, it's a lot more benefit than telling somebody to eat kale. Yeah. I don't mean to be like that, but, you know, I wonder if part of that is like that. Yeah. Oh. No, Chef, yeah. Chef AJ. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Chef Scott. Yeah. No, I, I, you are absolutely right. I, I didn't want to 
Um, I, I didn't want to vocalize the obvious, but yes, big pharma medicine is a very uh, lucrative business. And I got it. I, I'm in a, I just had a restaurant. I needed to make money, needed to sell wine and food to, to make a nice salary. Um, but <laughs> that's a big button. I'll stop there. Well, right. I think I forget which plant-based doctor it was. Maybe it was Dr. Gregor or one of the doctors said if that they could harness the power of a plant-based diet and put it in a pill, that would be, you know, we would be spending millions of dollars taking that pill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And, and the same thing has been said in Marin College Sports Medicine with exercises medicine is, you know, putting exercise in a pill, the patients would take the pill. I would, I would. Right, right. <laughs> I'm so sorry, you guys. I just, I, I mean, I do it, but I still don't like it. I just was not yet bit by the extra. I know it, been, I, I mean, I do it. I'm a good little patient, but man, if I could take a pill for that, I would. So I would love to uh, say to both chefs, Chef AJ and Chef Scott. So we are, you know, in our, um, our golden years, let's say our golden years right now, right? To what that's, that's the way that we were, raised and brought up to understand what our physicians were trained or maybe not trained or, you know, the way that, that there was the patient physician interaction, but I will challenge now that definitely at our school and now more in other medical schools, there are students, there are candidates of other schools that are choosing particular schools for their curriculum. And that is the student voice. That's Haynes' voice. And, you know, when Haynes says, and I'll ask Haynes to speak to this, because I'm sure that Greenville is not the only school she applied to, uh, that, that they're, you know, the student's voice is getting louder and louder. And our, our next generations here are really going to be able to say what Chef AJ, Chef Scott, we've been wanting for years. So, Hain, would you speak a little bit to from your perspective, from a student's perspective, both as a candidate to medical school and where you were applying, as well as being in a curriculum of, you know, lifestyle medicine and the importance to you of learning how to create all of that, like meals and, you know, and, and the community outreach that we have. Can you speak to that? Sure, um, I'd be happy to. So I was drawn, like I said earlier, was drawn to USC School of Medicine Greenville in a huge part because of the lifestyle medicine focus we have. I think that especially having been a nutrition major in college, I can't even say enough what the benefits of eating healthy and exercising are. And so I wanna be able to use that to talk to my future patients about it. But in college, I learned, um, I basically was, I did a didactic program in dietetics, which puts you on the registered dietitian track. So I knew a lot of information about how to be a registered dietitian, but I didn't necessarily know how I can take that information and use it as a physician. And so I wanted to go to a medical school that kind of did both of those things, accomplished both of those goals. And my school, it could I could not have found a better fit for me. I think the Lifestyle medicine curriculum is awesome. I also think that another huge draw for me was the um, mentors that we have access to. And Dr. Trok, I would say is mine. I not only have done culinary medicine with her and I also do research with her and having um, good mentors that can really help us get involved in research and learn how to use nutrition as a physician is great. I basically told Dr. Troke my first year, I want to do research in nutrition. I don't know where to start. I really have, I haven't done a lot of research in college. Like I just need help. And Dr. Troke was like, okay, well, what do you think is interesting? And I said, I don't know. I'm kind of interested in OBGYN. And she's like, well, would you want to do a nutrition and pregnancy study? And I was like, yes, that sounds awesome. And so that's what we're currently doing. Me and one of my fellow classmates and Dr. Troke are currently doing a study um, on nutrition counseling in pregnant women at our hospital system. And so I think all of those things really have just made this experience so great for me. And I would not have picked a different med school. Like if I could go back and do it all over again, I would be here um, doing the exact same thing I am. Um, like I said, I think the education we get about nutrition and lifestyle medicine through culinary medicine and through um, our module curriculum has just been like unmatched and I could not ask for a better experience. Is it, is it mostly plant-based or all plant-based, the program? What, what, where does that, where does it stand on that? It's a mostly plant-based. So remember, Chef AJ, we are in the South. So that, you know, that with that big component, 
this uh, it is mostly plant-based. We uh, we want to take a look at the fact that we are in the stroke belt, the fact that we have significant amount of fried chicken and sweet tea. I was raised, I was born in Iowa where meat and potatoes were, raised in Southern California where it was all about health. And then now came down to the South for medical school. So we really, and I'll ask, you know, Hayne even to speak to this. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit more about what we're gonna do in the kitchen with the patients in the community with Chef Scott, is we really need to meet the patients where they are. We cannot do the finger pointing. We cannot do the, you know, um, the expectation of this. We really have to do more of a shared decision-making with the patients because they were not raised in the environment or modeled most likely, most of them with their family members of a whole food plant-based diet. So it is, it is heavily plant-based. Uh, I would say 95% plant-based. And if we expect Southerners to give up, you know, their chicken, and I'll definitely ask Chef Scott about this after Hain, uh, if we ask for that, we're, we'll never see our patients again. So we really need to, you know, look at the small successes that we can have, like reducing processed foods, reducing uh, added sugar. So um, Hain, do you want to speak to that? And then Chef Scott, since he's the culinary expert here in the South. Yeah, I, I totally second everything Dr. Trolk said. We definitely focus on a lot in culinary medicine about what are like small changes that our patients can make because obviously people don't like to change and it's hard to totally flip someone's world upside down telling them to start this exercise program and go from eating fast food every day to all plant-based, just eating salads. And so we focus on what are the barriers to assess for our patients, such as do they have a tight schedule? Do they have to cook a meal for their six kids or do they have a low income? And we discuss all those factors because those are things that our real patients have to deal with too. And so we wanna be able to give them tools to success that they actually can put into place. Um, like Dr. Troka is saying, it's not helpful if we are giving them all this advice, but it's not actually practical for them. So I think taking a really individualized approach has been our focus throughout our cases we have in culinary medicine throughout the school year. Is culinary medicine, I mean, that's the name of the degree, like you're, you're still become a medical doctor, but explain how that degree works. You have to go to medical school to, because I, I think that sounds amazing. I have a degree in culinary medicine. I'd like one of those. Oh, there's a certification that they receive and I'll let Chef Scott speak about that. And then the students have to go through the longitudinal program, their first year, their second year, their third year in order to get the certification from Greenville Tech. So Chef Scott, Yes. Um, you lost me on the direction. Um, so they, they will go through these, as you've seen the curriculum, there are blocks, each one, um, we're starting with knife skills and food sanitation. So we start kind of from the basics, getting them adapted to what needs to happen in the kitchen is keep this food safe, not only tasty, but safe. Um, and then we kind of build on those building blocks, but then we get into the curriculum that is more medical directed and we are dealing with a different um, disease each week or a different type of symptom or a different type of illness from the patient's standpoint. And so that's where Dr. Trill meets with them, talks about a patient and some different um, or different scenarios, if you will. And then the recipes are based on that particular diet that they're going to need to modify to get to modify their diet to this positive diet, if you will, um, and and it it can get a little overwhelming, I would say, as, from a patient standpoint. But that's where the culinary students or the uh, medical students, I believe, have to kind of get a grip on. I think Payne said it very well that we we can't just do a 180 on these people. If they are from the South, fried chicken's been in their history and their family history, collard greens with uh, fat back, we can modify that. And I think it's not that difficult to do keeping some of those flavors. And that's where it, the challenge is to me, uh, bringing in more spices, lowering sodium, bringing in some more plant-based as opposed to um, you know, animal-based items and like a black bean burger where we're gonna put some vegetables in there um, and we're gonna season it correctly and it comes out tasting really well. Um, it's, a, it's a really good item. So these are modifications that we have found when we worked with our patients. And so that's the, the progression is 
the, the graduation is culinary student, I'm sorry, medical student now works with a live patient that they have been met through some of their rotations. And then they invite that patient to come into the kitchen. And, and we were just in the second phase of doing that with our first group when COVID hit and we couldn't bring patients in. But it was, a, it was an outstanding success from our, our medical students working live with these patients and giving them, they played me for a couple of days and worked with these patients. And that's the result is that now the, the medical student has, has done the full program, has, has walked the walk and they've actually acted like, acted like the doctor, working with the patient, telling them what to do. Um, and, and that was a beautiful thing to see. And some of those pictures that you saw um, from the video that Dr. Trilk showed were with those students working with their patient. And the result was that, I can't remember the lady's name, which doesn't matter, but she lost a really significant amount of weight, was, had, had sent, sent us reviews back an email saying, my life has changed. Uh, so that's, that's what we're hoping to see in, in across, not just South Carolina, but across the nation in the next, I don't know how many years, 20 years maybe? Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's I right. Hope. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that would be the funnest chef job to ever have, the one you have, Chef Scott. I mean, that, could, that would be just such so rewarding because you get to do your your passion, but it's just even, it just seems like it's so much more meaningful than just, you know, rolling out orders at a restaurant. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I did that for years too. Yeah. Yeah, what was really neat, Chef AJ, was that, um, you know, once the students complete the program and it's close to 20 uh, approximately 20 modules and those modules are four hours a piece. So there's over 80 hours of teaching in the culinary. So, which is why I think it's fun because Chef Scott keeps saying the culinary students, but they actually, you know, they're medical students, but they are actually culinary students, you know? So by the time they get through their third year and they brought the patients in, then Chef Scott and his team with Greenville Tech uh, present them with a certificate of completion in culinary medicine. So they are in medical school to get their MD, but then they also get a culinary medicine certification that also goes on what's called a MISP or a Dean's letter to where the residents, the residencies that they're looking to try to match at will see that information. So they'll see that they've had, you know, 80 hours of culinary medicine teaching. They've worked with patients. They've worked with a professional chef. Uh, and they've, you know, they've worked through uh, pathophysiology of disease and how nutrition can help. So it, it's really, I, I think, uh, just so much fun. You're absolutely right. Like so much fun. It's so much fun. Well, when, when you graduate, Hayden, will you be Chef Dr. Jackson or Dr. Chef Jackson? That's a great question. I guess whatever my patients want to call me, I will accept. <laughs> are there any other medical schools that are doing this? Uh, you know, I'm sure that there are medical schools that are doing this uh, in different ways and maybe in different degrees that I do know. Uh, with the Health Meets Food curriculum from Tim Harlan, Dr. Tim Harlan, who, as Chef Scott said, is absolutely phenomenal and so wonderful to work with. Uh, he, he mentions that there, I think there are close to 40 schools that are using some of his modules. He says that we, uh, last time we spoke, were the only medical school that were using all of the modules and we truly are using across the medical school first year through fourth year using all of the modules that are presented now i don't know if i can keep up with him because uh dr dr um uh, goodness gracious dr tim is um um creating more and more and more modules so i know he's creating a food insecurity module and you know we probably won't be able to keep up with them but we're really excited to be partnered with him as well so you guys get involved with the making of the documentary Code Blue? Oh, that's a great question. I was at the American College of Lifestyle Medicine conference and somebody told Dr. Stansick about what we were doing at our school. And she came up and said, I need to speak with you. And after about 30 minutes, I felt like I had a sister. And she's, she is so incredible. And she said, we really need to come down and film your school, which is what they did. And uh, we're so blessed to be able to be highlighted in that school, in that uh, documentary and to bring awareness to the medical school and what we're doing with our partner with Greenville Tech and what the students are doing in the curriculum. 
Well, that's how I found out about you. And, and it's funny, you called it the, I always thought it was called the Bible Belt. You called it the Stroke Belt. That's great. I've never heard that before. That's that's so interesting and funny. And I mean, not funny, but, you know, it's clever, I guess. You know, I, do, do medical students, when they graduate, still take the Hippocratic Oath? Because wasn't it Hippocrates that said, let food be thy medicine? Yes. So it is It is no, well known that Hippocrates said, let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food. And I do believe, Hayne, you do take the Hippocratic Oath. Is that correct? That is. So we actually took a Hippocratic Oath at the beginning of the school. We have our some of our classmates write a, um, it's a Hippocratic Oath for a white coat ceremony. And so we do get to say that at the beginning of medical school. Nice. How, how long is your program? Uh, Jody wants to know, or Randy wants to know, excuse me. Uh, we've got four years of the medical education. So we've got two years of preclinical work uh, to where the students do primarily biomedical sciences. However, we have a wonderful integrated curriculum to where we have a uh, clinical skills and um, uh, medicine and society. So it's called the integrated practice of medicine to where the students in tandem with taking their biomedical sciences are also learning clinical skills. And then they get into their third year and fourth year clerkships. And so it's, it's somewhat of a traditional model in medical education uh, in terms of the curriculum, but then the lifestyle medicine curriculum, as I mentioned, we've got 80 hours. We have approximately 50 hours of teaching in the preclinical years and 30 to 40 hours of lifestyle medicine teaching in the clinical years with our partners in family medicine and internal medicine. At what point in someone's medical school journey do they declare what, you know, when they go into a specialty? Is that like third year, fourth year? When do you have to decide that? And I'm what, because I'm wondering if having this degree in color, culinary medicine colors what you decide to do as a doctor. You know what I mean? Yep. And it's a certification in culinary medicine. Um, so with the certification, again, that has, to, the student has to go through the longitudinal track for that. Hayne, approximately when do students start identifying their specialty? That's a great question. So some students come in knowing what they want to do from the get-go. Um, some don't know at all, and that is me. Um, I don't know what I want to do. I have a couple interests, but you really don't have to decide until around your third year of medical school. You start applying to residency programs in the fall of your fourth year, and at that point, of course, you will only apply to one specialty, and then you will for sure know what you're going into. So generally, I would say probably the third year is when you kind of figure that out. And as far as your question about um, the culinary medicine program kind of coloring our preferences, Chef AJ, I think that it definitely does. I know at least for me personally, I want to go into a specialty that I can use my culinary med medicine education. So I'm definitely thinking like maybe something um, pediatric. I love kids, so maybe um, pediatric nutrition something, but we will see in a couple of years. <laughs> That's neat. Well, now that you guys have to do it virtually, I know a great chef that would love to uh, help you from her kitchen, her, her beautiful kitchen here. I think it'd be so fun to, to work with you guys. So we have a question from a live viewer. I just, my, sorry, my, my thing goes really quickly. It was about what you guys enjoyed. Where did it go? I'm so sorry. What do you enjoy the most? Uh, oh boy. Because what I see, I see something different than you guys and it goes a lot faster. It was something about what, what do you guys enjoy the most about, oh, here it is. Mandy says, what do you guys enjoy the most about educating people? Oh, Chef Scott, you go ahead and start and then I'll finish. Um, you know, I, I am not a trained teacher. I've kind of learned on the job because I was a chef for years, sold my restaurant. Somebody said, hey, you want to teach a class? And I've been doing it since. Um, with this particular group, it, I guess the satisfaction comes from what the results will be. Having been kind of surrounded by medical people, my, my um, brother is in medicine, cardiologist, my ex-wife is an OB, so I, and she went through medicine when we were married, so I've seen the whole process. And I always wondered, why, why aren't they dealing with nutrition and, and prevention more than they are taking care of somebody once they're sick? So in a very teeny, teeny, small morsel of a way, I feel like I'm going to be responsible to help um, keep this po our population a little bit healthier. Uh, and I, I, so that's, that's the teaching part. I also feel like um, being able to be a healthy chef is, is kind of a, a, a neat badge I'm able to wear because I do have, I have a, a, an exercise problem. I have an addiction. <laughs> 
my present wife didn't quite understand that when we got married. But, um, and I think that's the only reason Dr. Trill ever came up to me and started talking because I'm a skinny chef and um, <laughs> there, there aren't a lot of us, but it's getting better. So to me, the whole, the whole country has, has not only one pandemic, but they've got a health and nutrition pandemic as well that we need to, we need to address and start working on that. And, and, and we'll, we'll be a healthier nation. So I'm just doing my little piece. That's kind of what's really fun for me. I'm lucky to be doing it. Yeah, that's funny about being this. Yeah, you, what, there used to be, a, I used to see a sign that says, never trust a skinny chef. So I, I was a formerly obese chef who is now a skinny chef. But you know, it's interesting, Chef Scott, because I don't know what culinary school you went to, but there's just like, there's certain beliefs in medicine about foods, like chefs don't understand that, like, you don't have to put oil in everything. Like you can, like, like I've worked with restaurants, at least when I lived in LA to try to make the menus a little bit healthier. And it blows their mind to think like, you can't cook without oil. You, it's not possible. And not only is it possible, but once they get over the mindset that it is possible, they end up thanking me because they really can't taste a difference in the dish, number one. And number two, they end up saving a lot of money and it makes cleanup a lot easier. Do you find that there's some uh, preconceived notions in the culinary school, like about the way food has to be like with a lot of sugar, fat and salt, for example? Oh yeah. Um, and by the way, I went to CIA, culinary school. Um, Yes. And so when I went to school and I got out in 82 and we were being trained by a lot of European chefs and it was butter and cream, you know, 90% of the sauces were reduced cream. And yeah, it makes a wonderful sauce, a little bit of butter in there, uh, really heart healthy for you, of course. But yes, I think the drive has been for a lot of restaurants to offer some of these healthier items uh, to, to stay current and also to continue to be in business and sell products. So it, it's customer driven. We still, yes, and being in the South, we still love our fried chicken down here, um, and we'll be serving that, but there are small modifications that as a chef we can do, and as a, um, as a medical professional that they can teach their patients to, to make small changes and get, eliminate some of that fat, eliminate some of the meat products, or at least eat our lower fat meat products, so there's less saturated fat, so as, as chefs, yeah, it's come a long way since I got, got into the business. Huge, huge difference. Now, not to say that we don't pr produce some items, a lot of meaty, heavy fat, saturated fat items, but we're giving, getting an education to our customers to say, hey, you know, that's a splurge when you go out for your anniversary dinner. Nice. What is your, here's a question from Annie. What is your favorite health prevention recipe or tip? <laughs> Um, wow. I, you know, I'll tell you one that blows us away. Uh, this is Dr. Trulk's favorite. She knows what I'm going to say. Um, our, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Our black we, all bean, know what, we all know what Chef Scott's going to say. Yeah. Black bean um, brownie recipe is, is wicked good and just uh, crazy healthy. So um, uh, that's probably one of our favorites because it's one of those where if you, if you gave it to a patient or a friend or whatever and said, make this. Um, somebody brought it to a ride that I was going on and I was, I, he said, oh yeah, try these black bean brownies. And I thought I was going to, I had kind of that, you know, that regurgitation sort of um, symptom. And I did try it and I was like, holy smoke. So this is somebody that had, had made a batch, not our recipe, but then we, we had it as one of our recipes. And I was like, daggum it, this thing's going to be awesome. And it, and it really is. So that's one that I would say um, that is, is one of our favorites. It's really good. And it's really good for you. You know, really, really healthy food is is not a winner if it's not really good tasting and, and it's a struggle to get it down. So, you know, we've got to try and teach both of these things. And that one really works real well. So you're a cyclist? Is that your is that your exercise addiction, cycling? I've got a lot of addictions. Um, but cycling is one, as I'm getting older, running has gotten really hard. I've done all my marathons and stuff. So yeah, I like to ride. I like to swim as well. Like Dr. Phillips said, I've kind of gotten into the triathlon thing. Um, I don't do many of those, but I, I love to train all three components. Wow. Terrific. Yosef says, would you give some ideas about what food you recommend for which kind of health issue? That's a quite general state question. So uh, what kind of food do you recommend for which health issue? Well, you know, I was thinking like Dr. Esselstyn always recommends with people that have heart disease to eat lots of greens for their endothelial. I, I'm guessing that's what the question is. Joseph, if you want to be more specific, but. Sure. We definitely recommend, you know, so we will go through the, 
as you saw in the second year, the modules for pathophysiology. So we go through the HEMONC module as cancer. We go through uh, mind, brain, and behaviors. So we talk about Alzheimer's and dementia. We go through um, the cardiopulmonary. So we'll talk about congestive heart failure uh, and, and uh, renal disease. Uh, we'll talk about hypertension. So you know, we really look at it from a patient-centric perspective. Again, uh, thanks to Tim Harlan and the Health Meets Food a curriculum that he has. So you know, we will discuss the DASH diet. We will discuss the Mediterranean diet. Mm -hmm. we'll, we will literally, the students, they're with me for the first hour. So it's a four-hour block. They're with me for the first hour and we have exercises around literally calculating out what are the calories, what are this, what's the sodium, what's the fat, what's the protein, what's the carbs for this particular patient. And we do that for the hour and the students will look at how would you modify that, you know, that patient's current dietary habits with a more health conscious habit, such as restriction, you know, reduction of sodium, reduction of saturated fat. And then they have, after my hour, then they go in with chef and chef has them for close to two and a half hours, I would say. So with the demo, with teaching them the knife skills, teaching them their prep, talking with them about each one of their and their meals that were they're prepping that for that day and when they go into their groups they come back we do a nutrition facts for that and then in a non-covid environment we would sit down for a family meal and we discuss taste and texture of each one of the each one of the meals based on that particular chronic disease pattern so uh and then and then we have cleanup usually so it's it's a that's a, a little bit of a broad question i hope that's a little bit of a broad answer to that broad question um, uh, Dr. Trope, do people tell you you look like Renee Zellweger? I have never had that. I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, absolutely gorgeous. Do you guys do you guys think of, you're going to have a cookbook someday for your medical school? Do you know we've discussed that, and I don't even know if Hayne knows that, but we have actually discussed through the years having a healthy cooking University of South Carolina School of Medicine Greenville with with Greenville Tech cookbook. We have we might have to circle back to that one. So uh, what is really neat about the curriculum is that the students can download those recipes and patient education that they therefore can carry into their clerkships and into their residencies. So with the previous question that was asking, you know, what are your you know, favorite dishes? Uh, you know, Hayne will identify which, which are her favorite dishes that are easy to prepare, right, Hayne? And then you'll hopefully be able to make that for your family, as well as, you know, be able to identify it with your patients on, you know, saying, this is an easy one to cook. We know that Dr. Troke's favorite is black bean brownies. So give that one a try. Yeah, I have to say the black bean brownie recipe really took me by surprise. I was a little skeptical too. And I, I like black beans and I obviously love brownies. Um, and the first time I made it, I think my husband was floored that there were actual black beans inside the brownies. So I think for a future cookbook, that will have to be the star recipe of the show. It most definitely will. And I love uh, one, one note on Mr. Jackson, uh, when now that we are in COVID virtual, virtual reality culinary medicine, when we get to that end of the, of the module or of that four hours and we get into nutrition facts, there are half the time that half of Haynes' food is gone because Mr. Jackson stole the food in order to eat it and she's trying to give nutrition facts. So, you know, so we know that we've got, uh, we've got good company or good audience with Mr. Jackson and some of the other family members of the other students because they're partaking and benefiting as well. Nice. This is a great question from Irma. She says, how can doctors that are already practicing train in culinary medicine? Do you offer a fellowship? That would be something you should do. That is such a great idea, Chef AJ. We have discussed having a lifestyle medicine fellowship at our school. In fact, that just came up on a Monday call with family medicine. So that is in process of development, number one. Secondly, uh, the Health Meets Food uh, uh, curriculum and through Dr. Tim Harlan, there is a certified culinary medicine specialist that I would encourage you guys through the Health Meets Food uh, website, look up the certified culinary medicine specialist. And I do know that one of our doctors, our internal medicine doctor, uh, received that specialist. So she went through the training. And if I may, I know we're probably running short on time. If, if I may, I would love to um, 
show a, a video of that. So if you don't mind, we've had Dr. Minu Jindal. So another thing that's really great about our program, can, can you see this? Are you able to see this? Yes. Great. So Dr. Minu Jindal is our internal medicine uh, doc and she also teaches in the school. So she received the certified culinary medicine specialist certification through Health Meets Food. And I want to say it's so great, Chef AJ. We've had so many, so many of our faculty, both biomedical science faculty and clinical faculty, who are involved in the student's success. So part of a student success workshop, you'll see, and I'll, it's only a couple of seconds. Here's one of QNC, it's right there. And this is this is Dr. So my Jindal. husband is helping me. Thank you so much. So right now. As you can see, I'm sauteing lentils with onions and cumin seeds. If you can see that, there we go. Um, so cumin seeds and onion mixed in, uh, that's, and the lentils, right? That's all you have. This is one cup of lentils, quarter cup of uh, onions, half to one tablespoon oil, and half, uh, uh, actually one teaspoon cumin seeds. So it, it really is a family affair here. So that, that uh, it, it, and that was something that Dr. Jindal decided to do from her own home to cook a healthy plant-based uh, meal in the, Indian, uh, in the Indian style. So that's everything uh, that she was able to do as a CCMS. That's really cool. I wish I could visit you guys. It just sounds oh. amazing what you're doing. Oh, you know what he's asking for now is everybody wants that black bean brownie recipe. Right. <laughs> That's right. Well, I guess we're going to have to either go to the medical school or wait until it wait till the book comes out. I do have one in my book, guys, called A Date with Dessert, if you have to have one right now. Oh, perfect. Yeah. I'm sure probably not much different in terms of... I, well, th the only thing is I don't use... I, I try not to use flour and I only use dates to sweeten because I was a pastry chef actually at a restaurant for five years. And so that my thing was to never use processed sugar, just to do everything with dates. Oh, oh, that's wonderful. I think I just found another sister. Yeah, yes. just, you know, the fruit, the whole fruit, and nothing but the whole fruit. Right. Uh, I love what you guys are doing, and I'm so glad that I found you. And, uh, and you know, just, I just, that's what I, you know, I want to just let the world know that there's people all over the world that we've never heard of that are just doing amazing things. And, and uh, you know, who, who else is doing something like this in the stroke belt? Right. Yeah. Right. We, we feel very blessed. We're certainly mm -hmm. blessed. You know, it's funny, the first time I went to the South, you know, it's so funny because, you know, we have, there's stores everywhere in the United States and in the world, but I'll, I'll never forget, and I can't remember which city in the South I was in, but they actually had like an aisle that was bacon, like an aisle, like not just bacon because there's like the whole aisle was bacon. Wow, Chef Scott, uh, since he had a restaurant in Charleston, I bet he could probably speak to that as well. Yeah, there, there's plenty of fat down here. Don't <laughs> yeah, Charles. But Charleston has really um, become such a neat food town, using indigenous products and not and cutting out some of the fat and making some really creative stuff with you know all of the wonderful the bounty of harvest that we have, whether it's vegetables or out of the sea. So uh, we're getting better, and as trained chefs are moving into the area, which has happened for a long time now, uh, the quality of cuisine and the nutrition in the uh, cuisine has gotten much better. Yeah. Do, do you, I'm just curious, Dr. Trope, if you guys ever discuss how like the, the addictive properties of certain foods like sugar, fat, and salt. And that's, that's I think why it's so hard for, I don't think it's just the taste because I can make anything without sugar, oil, and salt. And I think it tastes amazing, but it doesn't have that addictive property that people are, I think, looking for. Oh, yes. We definitely discuss that in the biomedical sciences, don't we, Hayne? We get into how sugar really, really connects with the prefrontal cortex and that it can be up to 200 times as addictive as cocaine. You know, so we get into the biomedical sciences on food addiction and understanding, and even chef will say, you know, taste buds change every, and I learned this from chef, Scott, taste buds change, you know, around 10 days to two weeks. So we really have got to take a look at the, the addiction properties, what happens in the brain and then the cortices in the brain, primarily the prefrontal cortex, and then also what Chef's talking about in terms of, of taste buds changing, of course, which is also a neurological shift uh, in, in getting patients to eat healthier. 
So yeah, we do. We speak about that quite a bit. Yeah, and now we got to get the hospitals to get on board. I'll never forget. I had a, a colleague at work that went into the emergency room, and and they were waiting on the results. And they said, "Well, you either had a heart attack or you have diabetes. We're not sure." And while he was waiting for his results in the emergency room, they gave him beef stew, oh. milk, and apple pie. And I'm thinking, there's got to be. I mean, like really, right? <laughs> I do know that there is a movement. In fact, a medical student and I were talking about this, a couple of medical students. They're starting to be, it's not widespread, but now there was lifestyle medicine six years ago. Uh, it's starting to be more and more of an awareness of what truly is being served definitely in the inpatient of the healthcare delivery system. So we still have to work on the, you know, going into those of us who are visiting our loved ones in the hospital, what is available in the cafeteria, I work on that, but, but there is some movement around inpatient nutrition. So I, I agree with you, but there's still a ton to do. So for those of you who are listening, we need a lot of troops. We need a lot of troops in this space. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. Cause like when I, when I do, when I haven't been able to volunteer since COVID, they're not allowing any volunteers at the hospital, but when you go in to check in at the nurse's station, the amount of crap there. And it's not really their fault necessarily. I mean, I'm sure some of them bring it in, but like patients to thank nurses for doing a good job, they bring them, you know, donuts and seized candy. And, you know, I wish we could change that, you know, bring them, because I, I think everybody wants money. I mean, I'd rather have somebody give me a $20 bill than a box of seized candy personally, but, but I know they mean it to be kind, but I, I wish we could change the culture that that's not that kind to give, you know, especially if they're struggling with their weight to give them, you know, a two pound box of seed candy to thank them. Absolutely. Chef AJ, I want to read something to you that I received yesterday from a medical student. And she sent me a picture. She sent me a picture of her vegetarian of her salad. And she said, I never ate salads for 23 years. Your lectures made me realize that food isn't just about enjoyment. It's about nourishing your body and giving it what it needs to be healthy. This is my eighth salad in the last two weeks. Thanks for all you do for us. And then she put, also turns out salad ain't too bad. So that's do you guys have Do you guys have a Facebook or an Instagram page? Because I think that would be really inspiring to follow you and to see a post like that. Absolutely. Hey, and please speak to our lifestyle medicine interest group. Instagram, because we've got some information beyond nutrition that, that, that Hayne and her team does. Yeah, so we have a uh, um, lifestyle medicine interest group Instagram, which is lifestyle med IG for egg interest group. So I can definitely send you that link, um, Chef AJ, to get you connected to that. And we post about all the stuff our lifestyle medicine interest group does on campus. And the past couple months obviously have been a little challenging to have um, events, but we've had, um, we've been able to do a virtual cooking event in September where our members bought, um, just had to go to the grocery store and get their own food and then were reimbursed for it and cooked together. We did a healthy fajita bowl. It actually was a recipe from our culinary medicine that me and the other co-president had chose, chosen to do that. And we were able to do a virtual 5k where we handed out, um, like little healthy snack packages after the race to all of our participants. We just had them like take a selfie or um, share their running route with us or walking the running route with us. And so there's been some of the things we've been able to do throughout COVID that we do highlight on our Instagram page. And I, Dr. Choke, you need to send us that text so we can put that on our Instagram to make it known how great of a lecturer you are. <laughs> no, no, you guys make it happen for me. You know, and that Chef AJ, so Hayne and her team, because all of that is student led. So again, students have a voice. And uh, as I mentioned in the video, they just won uh, the American Journal of, uh, um, I'm sorry, the American um, College of Lifestyle Medicine COVID-19 Adaptability Award for everything that Hayne just mentioned that she, you know, that they've done through the interest group. So I'm going to share one more just quick, quick, uh, video here, or I'm sorry, just a slide. So going back to what they what they do, so they've got, oh, hopefully that'll go. So they've got um, an organic garden on campus. This is all student led. And uh, we, we do uh, fall and winter planting and clearing, which is what we just did the last week. And then, you know, Hayne and her team, Hayne, please uh, feel free to speak. So it's not just about nutrition, it's about all the components of lifestyle medicine. So the interest group, and that's Hayne in the middle there, 
of that upper corner, uh, upper, upper uh, picture of um, walking with the doc. So Hayne, please feel free to speak to that. Yeah, I'd love to talk about this. So Walk With a Future Doc is a program we recently started at our medical school to get our physicians, students, and patients all to come together to exercise. So once a month, we had our first one um, a couple weeks ago and I have our next one on Saturday. We meet at a local um, park to walk with some of our patients. And you can see in the middle picture, one of our patients came to, talk, to walk with us for our first um, event, which was great. And this gives us an opportunity to really come together and all um, exercise, practice, our, put our lifestyle medicine into practice and talk to our patients on a more relaxed, casual level about their health. So our patient asked some really great questions about like sports drinks and is it healthy and is it not healthy? And, oh, I heard exercise is good for your heart. Could you tell me a little bit more about why that is? And so we all had a really great experience being able to talk um, with each other and with her about the benefits of exercise um, and just answering some of her questions about uh, health and nutrition and exercise. So it was really, it was, it's been really awesome and we're really excited to continue doing this. Thank you. Amy. Wow. You know, I always heard that we develop taste preferences for what we habitually eat. And it almost sounds like we need to start elderly programs like in kindergarten. Could you please repeat that, Chef AJ? Uh, oh, oh, yeah, sorry. What, what I was saying is, as great as it is to have these culinary medicine, medicine programs in medical school, it almost seems like we need to start earlier because people seem to develop these taste preferences from what they're used to eating. And if they're used to eating crap their whole life, they're, it's sometimes harder to change their taste. So like a program like this, maybe we should be starting in kindergarten, is what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 absolutely. That's why yeah, I'm so thrilled Hayne was mentioning her interest in pediatrics. I think that... <laughs> That would be such a good fit if she decides to do that because pediatrics is where it is and pediatrics can be all about prevention. Well, thank you guys so much. It was so fun uh, chatting with you and finding out about the wonderful work you're doing. I really appreciate it. Keep up the good work. Let us know when the cookbook's out. We'll have you back on the show and promote it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chef AJ. We are so appreciative of your time and allowing us to be on your podcast and and uh the video here and and again please feel free to reach out anytime and we chef scott hayne and i will definitely have you as a virtual if you want to drop in as a guest for one of our cooking classes uh in the spring kidding that would be amazing thank you so much and thanks all of you for watching another episode of chef aj live please come back tomorrow where for some reason we have three live shows we start the day with Dr. Benita Raman from PCRM. Then we have Michael Borges, who is Beyonce's trainer. And then we end the day with Dr. Michael Brecker. Take care, everybody. Thank you guys so much. Bye-bye. Yep.